indulge me for just a moment. I do my priestly duty. It'll make sense to you in a few minutes. I want you to be thinking of the tabernacle, God's instructions to Moses to be preparing a place for him to dwell. We're going to step back a long time to the time of Abraham and move forward as we do a little capstone on the book of John. We find in the Bible that Abram had a relationship before he was known as Abraham with God because God called upon him first. Abram didn't seek God on his own. God came to him and told him what he wanted him to do. Gave him very specific instructions about the area that he was supposed to leave, the place he was supposed to go to. We get all the way to Genesis 13, and we see Abram called on the name of the Lord. It says this in Genesis 13, 14, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, here's what we know. God told Abram, that he would make him into a great nation, the nation of Israel that we have today. Now, if Abram had never called on God until this point, this is the first recorded portion, Abram in Genesis 13 turned his attention toward God, and he called on the name of the Lord, and God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. You'd say, I'd kind of like to know what that name was. What's the name that he called God? How does that fit together? How did he know what to call God? I want you to look very closely with me at at one Hebrew word. I'm going to teach you one Hebrew word this morning and one Greek word. And here's the Hebrew word. It's the word sha'em. It looks like shame when you look at it in English in the parentheses, but it's pronounced sha'em. Let's say that together on three. One, two, three. Sha'em. Okay. Look very closely at the definition that goes with it. Through the idea of definite and conspicuous position. What does that mean? Very firmly, he designated God's character, his nature. See, he associated the honor, the authority, the character of God. So like we just sang, you are the Lord, the famous one, the famous one. That's what Abram was doing. God, your character and nature... It wasn't that he had a specific John, George, James kind of name, but that it was associated with his character. So when he called upon the Sha'em of the Lord, he called upon the character of God. Now, we fast forward a few chapters, and there's a transition that takes place. All of a sudden, we see he's no longer called Abram, but he's now called Abraham, look with me on the screen. Abraham in Genesis 22:14. Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. What happened? God showed up again and showed himself powerful in Abraham's life. And now Abraham has associated God with a location because of an activity that God had carried out in Abraham's life. So he no longer just knows him by his character and by his name. He now knows him because of his association, because he's walked with him. 
You see the transition there. Now, what we understand as we look at Scripture, especially the premise by which we looked at the book of John, is that God wants to be known. He's not an individual who says, I don't want to be known. I want you to know me. As a matter of fact, we're told in Deuteronomy, He desires to be known. Look with me on the screen, Deuteronomy 4.29. Seek the Lord your God, and you will find Him if you search for Him with all your heart and all your soul. What's your heart? It's your passion. It's the thing that consumes you. What's your soul? It's the spiritual component of you in which you recognize there is something much, much bigger than me. So God says, if you search with me with all your passion and with all your energy, you will find me. Now that requires a fuller understanding of God in order to search for Him that way. Moses knew that. So let's fast forward beyond the time of Abram, Abraham, to the time of Moses. Moses understood in order for him to carry out the things that God had called him to do, he really needed to know God. Look with me on the screen at Exodus 3.13. This is just after God told Moses what he's going to do in releasing the children of Israel. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Well, that's not very specific, is it? I mean, if you were asking God for his name and he said, I am, you'd say, I'd like a little more specific than that. But what Moses discovered is that as he walked with God and God showed up and showed himself powerful in the midst of the plagues, in the midst of the Red Sea, on the side of Mount Sinai, thunder, lightning, Moses came to understand this God is a God of action. I can know Him through His activity in my life. But that wasn't enough for Moses. We fast forward and we find that Moses on the side of Mount Sinai said, this has all been really great. I got to see your power, but what I want now is to see you. I want to see your face. God said, no, sorry. If you see me, you'll explode. You'll turn into a vapor. Moses, no one can look upon God and live. But here's what I'll do for you. You come up on Mount Sinai, and I'll put you in the cleft of a rock, kind of like a cave, and as I go by, I'll put my hand over your face. And you can't see me directly. But in that moment, I will declare my glory in front of you. I want you to see this passage on the screen because this is how God declares His glory. Exodus 34.6 Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Notice how God associated His glory with His actions. I am merciful. I am full of loving kindness. I forgive sin. Now let's move forward a few more times in chapters of 
Genesis and Exodus, and we understand that God said, not only will you know me by name, not only will you know me through activity, not only will you see me display my glory, but now I'm going to come dwell among you. And we come to the setting with these seven candles. And we understand that God told the children of Israel to build for Him a tabernacle. A place where He would dwell among them. As you look at this image on the screen, I want you to think in terms of Aaron being the high priest of Israel, Moses' brother, the very first priest. And God said, this tabernacle that you're going to build for me will have several components to it. The most important component is the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant will be. And inside that will be the Ten Commandments. And you only get to go in that room one day a year. But outside of the Holy of Holies will be the holy place. And there will be a table there. And there will be a golden lampstand. And on that golden lampstand will be seven candles. And those seven candles are to never, ever go out. As a reminder to the people that I am among you. I dwell in your midst. So every single morning, the high priest had to go inside the temple and make sure that there were enough oil in the cup and that the wicks were properly trimmed because you didn't want the candles burning out. And here is what you would hear inside the holy place. Not a sound was to be uttered. The priest wasn't even to hum because it was an awesome, holy place. It was the presence of God. A day one went by. The first day the tabernacle was built, morning and evening. Day two, morning and evening. Day three, day 100. Day 500. Day 15,000. Day 50,000, 75,000, 150,000 days, 200,000 days, 300,000 days, 500,000 days, morning and evening, making sure that God was recognized as being in the most holy place and Jesus arrives on the scene and the candles are still burning inside the temple and Jesus says I am God with you I am God among you I am the light of the world you can understand why the Jewish leaders had the reaction that they did because all they'd ever known is this. But now God says, I'm not only going to dwell among you, I'm going to be in you. So premise number one was this, as we stepped into the study of the book of John, is that God will reveal Himself if we will look for Him with all our heart. So we, stumped into this, we stepped into the study of the book of John for 55 weeks, and we started out here with this premise, John 1.18, that no one has ever seen God, 
the one and only God, the one who is at the Father's side, meaning Jesus, has made him known. Now, when we understand that Jesus made him known, we use the Greek word, and here's the last word. The first word was Hebrew, second word is Greek. It's ekgekomai. Ex you recognize because it means to come out, like the word exit. Ex gekomai means to come out and unfold. So Jesus unfolded God. He declared who God is. So throughout our 55 weeks of this study, throughout this manuscript, we understand that as the portrait unfolded, a portrait of God, Jesus painted for us an image of the characteristics of God's nature and character because of God's activity among us, how He walked among us. And as we've studied this, we see ultimate reality is personal. Ultimate reality is living. A living entity beyond comprehension who wants to be known by His nature. So He says, I will not only be known by you, I will personally dwell in you. And that was a whole new understanding for the people in the first century. So that takes us to premise number two, and that's where you come in this morning. I put in your bulletins this morning an insert, a little piece of paper that's eight and a half by 11. looks like this, and it, it has a statement for you because it's premise number two at the very top. If you didn't pick one up when you came in, grab it on the way out this morning. Because what you'll find in there is a list of all the names of God. Not a comprehensive list, but a list from the Bible of all the names of God in the way that He's known. I put the statement at the top, which is premise number two. What you believe about God determines what you do next. Because we understand that we need to know who God is in our life in order to understand what we believe about Him. So I ask the question, who do you know God to be? Understand that the list that you have in your hands is the result, not of my work necessarily, but a result of individuals who had a personal experience with God. And as a result of that, they named Him by the way that God showed up in their life. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. To identify the ways that God has revealed Himself in your life, perhaps by looking at that list. I have one for myself. It comes from Proverbs. The Lord God is a strong tower for me. I'm talking about for Mark. Because I can identify the times that God has been powerful in my life. It comes from Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it, and they're safe. And I can tell you, that's a witness in my life. I've felt the safety of God's protection in His strong tower. There's a second one for you. This one comes from a woman in Genesis 16. Then she called on the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God who sees. You understand, these names came out of the characteristic of God because of the way that He showed up in their life. How has God shown up in your life? Perhaps through the course of this study in the book of John, you've seen the names of God pop out. I've identified some there on that list for you in bold ink. He's the Word. He's the living water. Or perhaps like the centurion. Truly, this was the Son of God, the one who stood at the foot of the cross. Why is the name of God so important? 
Because we're told according to Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no other name. Look with me on the screen, Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Anybody care to call that name out? Yeah, you're safe in saying that name, Jesus. That's right. It's the Jesus answer. Now, what's remarkable about that? There were lots of little boys in the first century who were named Jesus. Why so remarkable when the angel showed up and said to Mary and Joseph, you will name him Yahashua because the name means God will deliver. See, it's the characteristic of God. God will save. Yahashua, that will be his name. So here's the capstone for you. It took John a lifetime to articulate Jesus. What we've looked at in 21 chapters or 22 chapters, John started when he was in his 20s, perhaps even as a young teenager, walking with Jesus. It took him until he's in his 90s to write this down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He had a lifetime to try and articulate that. So that's why we came to this worshipfully, humbly, submissively, awestruck. And it began like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And nothing that has been made was made without Him. Understand how that was so powerful in chapter 1. He was laying the foundation for us to understand who we're about to look at. So the Word became flesh and went to weddings and offered water at a well and made bread and fish for people on a beach. And as you're going to see next week, He's going to cook fish on the beach for the disciples. That's your God who dwelt among us and rebuked us and protected us and loves us and died for us. So your Creator is also your Redeemer. How awesome is that? This week, I want you to take that list, maybe even today, and identify the ways that you have come to know God, perhaps through John, perhaps through your own personal walk with Him. Call on Him by the name, the character. Instead of just starting out a prayer this week with, Dear God, how about starting it out this way? God, You have been my rock. You have been my high tower. You have been my lifeline. Whatever way God showed up in your life, what does that do for you? That reminds you of how God delivered in the past and how He will deliver in the future. How He is there for you. And it gives you confidence to walk with Him boldly. Because each time you use the name, it causes you to reflect. That's right. He is the Lamb of God. He is my Savior. He is my provider. That's the one I've really personally landed on in the last couple weeks for myself. God, you, You are my provider. So I've been starting out my personal prayers that way. Thank You, Father, for being my provider in my life. And it's taken me back to all the times that He has provided. 
That's what I encourage you to do, so take that list. It's, it's there for you to use this week and to answer those questions. Who do you know, who do you believe God to be in your life? I invite you to pray with me, New Hope. Father, we, we're grateful for the time we've been able to spend in worship this morning. You are the famous one. And we're like Abraham, declaring your nature and your character because of all the things that you do. You've shown up in creation. You say your handprint is on everything that we look at. So forgive us, Father, at the times when we get bored or we become nonchalant about the things that pertain to you. Refocus us. God, use this list in our life this week. These are your names. These are the ways that you are known in your word. I ask that you would take this and seal it in our heart. Cause them to be promises for us as we take on responsibilities throughout the week. God, I ask for your blessing upon this church for having gathered here this weekend to worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.